Hi, welcome to episode 576 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I thought for sure that Marvel would never bring back the title Generation X. Like, really? If it's not a book about a bunch of middle-aged mutants, that title don't work no more. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four 576 from April 2010, Prime Elements 2, The Old Kings of Atlantis, by Jonathan Hickman and Dale Eaglesham. So the issue begins with Sue at FF headquarters giving a presentation to Ben and Johnny with a lot of exposition and background about this Russian base in Antarctica and an underground body of water. And when when you're doing a podcast, the worst scenes of all to talk about are these long, talky scenes like this. But I guess I gotta dig in and and say what she's saying. Sue's telling them about Vostak Station a Russian research facility built in the 1950s, the most isolated base in Antarctica. In 1973, an underground lake was discovered in Antarctica called Lake Vostok. Very clever with their naming. 13,000 feet under the surface. An isolated lake for half a million years where life must have surely evolved on a very different path from the rest of the world. Which sounds like a very interesting sci-fi setup. Scientists have been trying to study this lake for decades with no success because the lake is so isolated and so hard to get to and you know Antarctica is friggin cold. But then four years ago a group of scientists using some high-resolution scanning equipment supplied by Reed Richards discovered a superstructure of some kind in the middle of Lake Vostok. Also an intriguing premise. Reed enters the room and joins the, co- joins the conversation, saying that recent satellite images discover that the organization known as AIM, a group devoted to terrorism, the development of dangerous weapons, world domination, and instant messaging. So AIM has started drilling in Antarctica, trying to get whatever it is down there in Lake Vostok first. And Reed says that he's volunteered the FF to go down there and get to Lake Vostok first. And he asks, Is there anything we do better than exploration? Ben suggests, Beat people up? And Johnny answers, Date hot women? Reed says, They leave in 45 minutes. And in a completely unnecessary pratfall, Ben falls back in his chair and he cracks the wall with his head. Who edited this comic? George Lucas? So four hours later, the FF arrive at a base in Antarctica Ben, Sue, and Reed are wearing heavy, uh, heavy cold weather outfits, and Johnny has his coat flung around his shoulders, and he's bare-chested, and I guess he's got on some swim trunks, and a pair of yellow and red cowboy boots, and these are clearly women's cowboy boots, by the way, and I've been joking about Ben all these years. This looks like something Richard Simmons would have worn 30 years ago, when he was sweating to the oldies. And yes, Johnny does look good, but he... Who's he trying to impress? A bunch of lonely men stuck in a 
remote outpost in Antarctica? I don't think you need a dress to impress these guys. All you need is a pulse. Sue knows the guy in charge. Maybe he's a former boyfriend. Oh yeah, right. She has no former boyfriends before Reed because she met him when she was 10. His name is Dr. Calvin Cooley. She introduces him to Reed. So they have this big round underwater pod thing ready to go. But Dr. Calvin warns them that the thing might break apart and because of the massive thermal vent down there, it's going to be loud. He advises that they cancel the mission. And Reed and Sue are like, Oh yeah, of course, let's cancel. Yeah, right. No, Sue says, let's go for a swim. So 30 minutes later, they, ca they crack through the ice into the water below. They're not in the pod. They're just kind of swimming along with the pod, which I'm not sure what the pod does. Why do they need this big device? I don't know. They see this underground volcano type hole below and see some strange fish, uh, differently evolved fish in the area. And because of the loud noise they mentioned earlier, they're not able to communicate with each other, so these underwater scenes are word-free. Which I... I love Del Eaglesham, but this is kind of hard to describe what's going on without words. They see uh, Ben Grimm sinking toward the hole of magma, so Sue uses a force field to pull him up. Next, they see that big structure mentioned earlier. Looks like it's made of ice crystals. Ice crystals? Shit! They've discovered Superman's Fortress of Solitude! The pod machine, or some other underwater ship, I think, it's an, uh, I think it's a different ship, shoots some missiles to crack into the structure, and out come these big snail-like creatures with tentacles that come out. And they're shot by the underwater ship, much to Reed's horror. And then some nearby eggs hatch, or these something opens up, and these scary underwater creature men pop out and they head toward the ship. And a bunch of underwater aim agents come out, bearing weapons of their own. They start fighting with the creatures, and they mostly lose. Sue sends Ben in his force field crashing into the underwater aim ship, which that seems like it might kill a bunch of aim agents if they're not all weird if they're not all wearing scuba gear. Johnny uses some flames to cut the huge ship into pieces. Quickly the aim agents are defeated and the FF find themselves face to face with the scary underwater creatures. And these tiny weird blobby things stick onto their heads allowing the FF to communicate telepathically with each other and with the uh, underwater creatures. So they're led to the creature's city, which Johnny says looks like the world's biggest sushi bar. Which is a very weird thing to say. You know, I've never seen sushi with arms and legs and teeth. They're led to the city's uh, leader, sitting on a throne, and he says, I am Ol Uhar, Regent of the Peak. King of the Uhari, welcome to the kingdom of Atlantis. What? Reed's like, this is not Atlantis, dude. One creature says, Atlantis is the sea, boy. Really? This is not Atlantis. They're not even in the Atlantic. One creature says, where there is water and life lived in it, there are giants. This is simply the way things are, another says. What the hell are they talking about? They bring out some AIM prisoners, and the leader says, You and they are the same? Yet they come here to do violence, and you try to stop them. How is this possible? The leader goes on to say, 
that there are three different races of these fish creatures living down there. And he speaks for all three of them. And then he asks, who speaks for man? Reed tries to explain that men don't roll that way. We're not a collective. No one can speak for all men. But then as he says that, Sue steps forward and says, I will. I'll be the voice of man. Reed tries to tell her no, but she says, it's what they understand. And you know why it has to be me? Because she once got shagged by an actual Atlantean, perhaps? She steps forward, introduces herself as Susan Storm Richards. The fish leader stands up and hails Sue, says, Susan of the Richards, Susan of the Storm, envoy of man and emissary of the peak. Return from where you came and spread the word. The old kings of Atlantis have returned. If ever we are needed, if ever there is a cause for contact, there is one person with whom they need speak. And in these halls, her name will always echo out. And they put a fancy purple robe, a purple cape on her. And you can tell she thinks this is a pretty sweet deal. And that is the end of the issue. An interesting premise. I don't really remember where they're going with this, but there's got to be some kind of conflict with the Submariner and his Atlanteans, right? Huh. The Moon by Henry David Thoreau The full-orbed moon with uncharged ray mounts up the eastern sky not doomed to the short night for I, but shining steadily she does not wane, but my fortune, which her rays do not bless, my wayward path declineth soon, but she shines not the less. And if she faintly glimmers here, and paled is her light, yet always in her proper sphere, she's mistress of the night. And speaking of the moon, guess where the Fantastic Four are going next issue? Yes, to the moon! And when you're speaking of the moon, you know what that means. Not naked asses, but the Inhumans. The Inhumans. Oh, I love the Inhumans. Medusa and her nutty hair. Gorgon and his weirdo feet. Black Bolt and those crazy things he says. Plus, we get to meet more Inhumans we've never seen before. It's a crazy party, y'all. And that's all for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott, po- Dave Elliott at podcastff, and you can download other episodes at iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. As captain of this band of merry sailors, I'm a black mark, I'm a failure, but before you watch me drown, I'm relinquishing command for something I don't understand. This man's about to turn his whole life upside down. I set a course for a new shore. New shore. In a-